0: Amen, he is here. I am so, oh, it's so good to be in the family today. I, in the humblest way, I'm proud of this family. I'm so proud of this family. This week was not like many other weeks where I heard from different ones who when they come into this house as new visitors, they feel the family here. They feel the love of God here. And I want to commend the house for that. We're doing such a good job. Like all families, we get on each other's nerves at times. It happens. I used to sit next to the table with my sister, Jessica. She's in Idaho. Not Janelle, so you don't confuse the two. Jessica's left-handed, and I'm right-handed. And we would get our elbows going against each other. And before long, it was more than elbows. She could hold her own against her older brother. But I do, I just feel so proud of this house today. It's so good. God is really, really finding it comfortable to put his love in our hearts so that it can go through our hearts to others. We're doing such a good job. Talked about communion last week, and I'll just say this about that message. When we are in communion, we're encountering the living Christ. It's not to be taken lightly. We're in his presence, we're with him, we're in him. Today I want to talk about the union that's in communion. If you didn't know it, there's a union in communion. It's the togetherness that we all experience, that we're supposed to experience in Jesus. The oneness, the family that we're supposed to be. Diverse this house, God is saying, well done, good and faithful servant ACF. He truly is, Jesus truly is the head of this church, and he's brought together people of various, this, this church is relatively small for the level of diversity that we're experiencing. There are five different denominations that call this place home right now in our house and leaders in those denominations. There's a blending of the house of the Lord and the diversity that is in the church coming together. It's because his name is being lifted up and he's drawing all men and women to himself. There's a blending in this house of generations. Young, a little bit older, young adults. Middle-aged and older adults coming together. And that's the blessing that he intends, a generational blessing that he intends to work in this house and through this house so that we can take the land. In case you've missed it, and I don't think you did, but just for clarity, I'm talking about communion when we come together as he ordains it. I'm not saying I'm different than who I am. I'm a son of God, I'm Josh, and I come with my own gift mix. Cody, you come with your gift mix. You're a son of God, and you come with your gift mix, brother. The gifts that he's poured into you. Each of us have that, and we come together, and we're not pushing up against each other. There's no divisions. There shouldn't be. As we commune with him, we see what he's done for us and what he's done for others. There's a union in the communion. Thank you, Don. (laughs) I'm with you, sister. I'm going to continue reading from where we were last week. And I want to remind you that 1 Corinthians, the first letter that Paul writes to the the church at Corinth, this is the earliest and most lengthy discourse on communion that we have in Scripture. There's things that we can learn in it. Beginning in verse 17, chapter 11, Paul's just giving giving them a lot of corrective instruction. And he says this, Giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. (laughs) Thank God that's not us. (laughs) But we need to listen to the scripture. It does convict, and there's places that we need to grow, and we will. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. That word divisions comes from the Greek word, Greek being the original language the New Testament's written in, the Greek word schisma. There's schisms in your body. And I know that you're still serving Jesus, but in part I can tell because I have to give these instructions, the Apostle Paul says, I can tell that there is some part of you that's divided. He goes on, There must also be factions among you. Different compartments, different sects that are setting up. We would call them cliques in our modern day vocabulary. Yes, ACF has worked through some of that. <laughs> the cliques, this, these groups don't associate with these groups. I'm not in the level of communion that God wants us to. Thank God we've worked through so much of it. And wherever our blind spots are, Holy Spirit, we, re, we, re, we respect what you're speaking we invite you and welcome you to speak to those blind spots. Those who are approved may be recognized among you. Clicks approving a certain way, other clicks approving another way. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating each one takes his own supper ahead of the others. That word supper that we refer to as the Lord's was not originally a snack at. That word supper comes from the Greek word dipnon, which means the main meal, the feast of the day. And so they are correctly, in the first church, we lose this in our history, they are correctly coming together in complete replication of what the Lord has set an example of and they're having a full meal together but by the time they get to the third cup the cup of blessing and the bread of blessing then they're partaking in communion with him but they're doing it in disarray they're doing it with schisms Hmm. some of them are taking their meals ahead of the others so they're over here at this table and others are over here at this table Some of them are haves, and some of them are have-nots. One is hungry, and one is drunk. Paul says, what? Do you not have houses to eat in and drink in? He's not saying do away with the Seder, the Passover uh, meal, the full meal, and they're probably celebrating it every week. He's not saying do away with it. He's saying if you're going to come like this, Check it at the door, because you're coming in reverence before the Lord. This is about communing with him and being in his presence. And we ought to realize that as much as he loves us, he loves my brother and my sister too. It's important. It's important. Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. He is praising ACF, though. (laughs) We're doing so good. We have room to grow. I think I said that before. Amen? This is a picture of the schism that's between the haves and the have-nots. Some have the time, some have the assets, the money to just bring all the food they have, all the wine they have, and just hoop it up. And get drunk. And there's a schism from those on the left in this picture and those on the right. And on the right, you can see the serious look on their faces as they're just looking to get in. And there ought not to be a difference between the rich and the poor. The first generation church, Acts 4 and following, we see repeated examples of them bringing all their goods, the rich and the poor putting them together, not in a communistic effort, not out of coercion, but because of communion, not communism, communion with God. They're bringing it all in, and they're sharing because God has put that on their heart. And each one is equal. We need to remember that when we come to the Lord's table, it's an equal playing field. He's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has all the assets And he puts them where he can in people's hands that he can trust. And there's a lot of people here he can trust. Thank God for that. But there's this schism that he's speaking about between the rich and the poor. In the first ten chapters of 1 Corinthians, there's several schisms he's speaking about. He speaks about some being puffed up with their knowledge, and others being puffed up with their knowledge. This is the doctrine we should follow. Yes, but that's only a partial doctrine, brother. This is the complete take on the whole. And if you actually knew your Hebrew, you would go here and know that this is the way we should go. And there's these schisms, and they're they're puffed up with pride. It ought not to be in the house of the Lord. We ought to know that the head of our, our house, Jesus Christ, is the one who's omniscient. He knows everything. The fear, the reverence of the Lord at his table is the beginning of knowledge. We sometimes look at each other and we say, oh, I'm getting a bad vibe about this person. And and we call it, we slap the label of discernment on it, but really what it is, it's a flesh vibe. And here's how you know it's the flesh because we don't even go near the person. We don't look at them as a a brother, a son, a a sister, a daughter. We go the other way. They're here and we're here. But if they were truly family, if we were truly communing the way that we're supposed to, we would go to them and say, brother, sister, I have this problem. Can I ask you this question? Why did you say that? Or why did you just stand in silence when you could have said something, when you could have spoken up? Or why did you do this to this person? Or why did you do this to me? The pride, the puffing up in our own hearts, thinking we know what's right, goes down. We humble ourselves and we admit we were hurt and we go to the person. It is the model of the leader of communion, Jesus himself, when he says, if you have something against your brother or if they've done something to offend you, go to them. Don't go to Pastor Josh. (laughs) Go to the brother, the sister first. Secondly, maybe Pastor Josh or Pastor Paul or another brother or another sister. I can't do it all. Neither can Pastor Paul or Pastor Tom or any of our pastors. The value that he wants us to have is the value that we're tapping into. Love one another as he loves us. There's another schism he speaks about between the marrieds and the singles. The marrieds are leaping for joy. Oh, I found true happiness as a married person. (laughs) I'm so happy. I love the picture. Jumping up and down. And the reason that guy is on the right side of the screen again is because the very reason he was puffed up was because he was single. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) It just fit. I'm single. The Apostle Paul is telling this church to be single. It's great to be single. But he's not saying it's not great to be married either. There's blessing in both. This is a house that blends the kingdom of God. The word I got for this house many years ago, and it kept coming stronger and stronger, was mosaic. He's putting together a beautiful mosaic. The differences, the singles, the marrieds, the different knowledge bases, the rich, the poor, and all the diversity that we can see here represented in the more that will come. He's putting it together in a beautiful mosaic that's representative, being, representative of being intimate with him in the communion table. When we come to that table and we have ought against our brothers, we have bitterness against our sisters, we're not coming to the table in a worthy manner. We come to the table with those burdens, with that bitterness. We bring it to the table, but in reverence, ready to lay it down. Through the communion table, through his presence, through the encounter with Jesus, the new covenant of his blood, his body broken, remembering that that's what makes the way possible for me to forgive and to ask for forgiveness. There's a schism between women and men that he mentions. That doesn't happen. (laughs) There really is. There's a feministic bent in this early church that's present. And there's also a masculine one too. And God is saying, you're all my children. I made you, daughter, I made you, son, and I want you to be together in harmony like I have designed it before the fall of man, before the schism of sin entered the earth, entered the world. He wants us to be one. There's a union in communion. I'll show you one more. He's speaking to divorce. Husbands and wives, wives, not getting along when we're communing with Jesus everything is under the one that we're communing with and we can let this world we can let nature speak to us and say oh those are justifiable irreconcilable differences or we can let Jesus speak to us the one who has everything under him and say Really, all that is is irreconcilable selfishness. Yeah. Where we're not looking at each other, Matthew 7, Jesus teaches us, "Judge not, lest you be judged. With what measure we judge? a husband, a wife? We're also getting judged with that same measure. Hypocrite," he says, "Jesus, hypocrite, first remove the plank in your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck in your husband's and your wife's eye. To see clearly is to see through the love lens of Jesus, my spouse, and see with compassion and asking Holy Spirit to give me perspective so that I know, wow, there is a reason my wife, there is a reason my husband is acting this way. And then just like the tears flow from Jesus at the right hand of the Father as he's making intercession for us, those tears flow from the spouse towards the sp- their other spouse. And just as the example of Jesus is, we love him because he first loved us. In that moment of communion with Jesus, and I begin to see my spouse for who she is, for who he is, as the case may be, I begin to see through compassion. I begin to pray with those holy tears. I begin to see through mercy. Yeah. And I begin to see how much I've been saved, how much I've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's Jesus. One more schism. Chapter one they're talking about leaders. Some say i got to follow Apollos. Some say I must follow Peter, Cephas. Others say I must follow Paul. Some Jesus. And there's this schism, there's factions, there's sects that are being formed in the church. All of those schisms are leading up to this point that Paul's trying to make. A lot happens in the presence of Jesus when we commune with him. It's not just a ritual. It's not just a religious experience. It's a holy sacrament, an avenue through which Jesus speaks to us, encounters us, and we encounter him. When we commune with him like we're supposed to, like he's calling us to, like he's welcoming us to, like he's graced us to, it's abundant grace that allows us to come into his presence. Those schisms fade away when we're with him. Completely away. And we're at the Lord's table. Paul goes on, Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. Why don't we put that in the first person? When I take, repeat after me, when I take communion today. You're not robots. You don't have to. I'm just having fun. (laughs) When I take communion today, I am going to examine myself and invite the Holy Spirit to search me. Let it begin. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body, not realizing the expanse, the magnitude of what Jesus did on the cross for me because I'm too busy, worried about the small thing. Relatively so, in my limited viewpoint, the small thing my brother or sister did and the huge thing that Jesus did for me. I need to discern that. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, when I come to the table, I need to discern, wow, give me the perspective, Jesus. Thank you for how much you have blessed me. And we've all had challenges this week, but in the midst of those challenges, he's still with us. We all have challenges coming up this week, but in the midst of those challenges, Emmanuel, God with us. It's an awesome thing. Come to the communion table, and we get revelation of that. Thank you, Jesus, for it. I love this picture because it shows what the meal should be. Every one of the people that comes to the Lord's Supper, that comes to the table, is human. We all have stomachs, and we all enjoy being fed. It says in the scripture many times he gives us food in our bellies and there's joy with that but there's also joy in the spiritual food as well. It's both and. But we come, there's something special when we share meal together including the Lord's Supper especially the Lord's Supper and there's something special. All of the differences, all of the distinctions we realize that we're on the same playing field. You're hungry and so am I. And it's amazing when our appetites are satiated what we start to talk about with each other. We start to testify about how we were saved. It happens just this week. Wednesday evening, if you, don't, if you haven't come, if you weren't able to make it to Better Together, I want to invite you to come this Wednesday. It is awesome. <laughs> what I'm talking about today is like really happening now, but it's happening Wednesday night as we have our life group kickout, our, kickoff, our small group kickoff, we're we're, we're together. We share a meal together, and then we have this time of discussion together, and people are just opening up in ways that are special and life-giving, and the light of Jesus is in the center of it. That's what communion is. Let's share more tables together. Amen? Let me read to you just a couple more passages. He was just talking about coming to the table in an unworthy manner or irreverent. We come as we are. None of us are perfect. We come in our states of imperfection, but we come in reverence and the fear of the Lord, expecting him to speak to us and touch us and show us where we need to repent. But when you come irreverently, taking for granted no awe in us, I'm just going to take my juice or whatever, right? He says, for this reason... Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. When I come irreverently, and I still have this schism between brother and sister, 99% of the church I get along with, but this 1%, this half a person, oh, sorry, God, there's no half person in your kingdom. This one person I'm not getting along with. That's coming irreverently. Lord, I know there's sin in my life, but... Yeah, I can still live with that. I can still commune with you, right? No, that's coming irreverently. You come to the table. You're in his presence, his holy presence. You're not perfect, neither am I. But as we come, we say, okay, Father, search our hearts. And as we prayed earlier, he is already. Many are weak and sick among you for coming to the table irreverently. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Weak, sick, and sleep. Afflictions and death. The results, in plain reading of Scripture, the results of coming to the table irreverently. He's saying that there's some afflictions that are in this church in Corinth that are there because they're not communing with Jesus as they should. I can't tell you the number of times. I really cannot tell you the number of times. I have prayed with someone, specifically with back pain, and the Lord has led me to say to them, ask them a question. Is there anybody that you need to forgive? Sometimes no, but a lot of times yes. And there's been several when they forgive, when they repent and they, they let go of that bitterness. The back pain goes away immediately. The schism of division means a lot. The schism of between brothers and sisters. When we come to that table and we're holding something against a brother, something against a sister, it can affect our physical bodies. And he says it can even lead to death. But he says, I still love you. You haven't figured this yet, Josh. You haven't figured this out yet, Josh. I still love you. I'm chastening you. And though you may die, in the end you won't be condemned with the world. There's this place as Christians that we are made new when we come to Jesus and there's also this place where we're being made into his image. There's both. And we need to walk reverently because only he knows all things. Let's stay humble, amen? There are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries. Diversities and differences, not divisions. The mosaic the same Lord in all of it. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Then he goes on to say this. When this letter was written, there was no chapter and verses. It was one complete and continuous letter. So just because it goes into chapter 12 doesn't mean it's not a continuation of thought. And in fact, it is a continuation of thought from what he's just been talking about with communion. He's going right into the spiritual gifts. And This is a house that loves spiritual gifts. We seek the giver more than the gift, though, amen? Yeah. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This is what's known as the ninefold manifestation list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Words of wisdom, what we heard from Lori just a moment ago. Words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. The reason he's addressing this is because there's yet another schism in the church at Corinth. My gift of prophecy is better than your gift of tongues. Paul corrects that in, first, in chapter fourteen. If you interpret, they're on a level playing field. My gift of healing is better than your gift of miracles. Sure, you can pull water out of a rock, but look at this look at this gift of healing. This tumor is healed. but they're not realizing that's not how it works. The same God that gives them the gifts is one God, and he wants us to be together and one with him. We don't operate in the love and in the extent of the power that he has for us if we're schisming. We're divided and saying, I need to go first. Pastor Josh saying, I have a word of knowledge. I'm going to dominate the stage. I think you know in this house, this is open to whatever the Holy Spirit leads. And yes, I'm commissioned to protect this pulpit. But I'm also commissioned directly from the Lord to open it up to those that God speaks through. And he does. And so they have these different sects of of, uh, giftings And what he's tying it in with is communion. He's bringing order to these nine gifts, these nine specific gifts that are direct manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He's bringing order to it in the communion with him, in intimacy with him. Verse 29, we just read it. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep for coming irreverently to the table. Might it be that the reason so many of us have been disappointed and not seeing people healed, myself included, seen many people healed. I was telling, I think it was Thursday night at our meeting, I think I'm up to 15% of the people that I pray for are healed. It used to be 10%. Praise (laughs) God. Amen. And if I didn't pray all the time for people, or when I do pray, I probably don't pray enough for people. I pray more than I ever have, but He's taking me on a journey. He's taking us all on a journey. If I didn't pray for people in the first place, I wouldn't see that 15%. But might it be that the ones that we've lost in the last several years, Jim Oshusky, Steve Covey, Marsha Ashland, Sharon Nagy, Mel, others. There's more. There's no condemnation in him. There is conviction. Might it be that we're not coming together in some of the ways that we, we say, oh, I'm getting a bad vibe from this person and the way they're exercising their gift, We're actually causing a schism in the body of Christ. And the very tool, the very gift that God gave to the house to see that healing materialize, to see that miracle come to pass, to see that prophetic word of life and encouragement be given and be a word fitly spoken for a person. Might it be that schism is what's causing the issue? Paul says it is. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you because of schisms. One of the things we need to be aware of as a church, we are growing and we're going to continue to grow as is every church that lets him be God and seeks him first in all things. We're going to continue to grow, but we're going to continue to see messes. People that don't look like we expect things to look. We need to keep in mind that the own mess, that very mess is in us too. Josh might be a little too religious for some. And he doesn't even know it. Someone else might be a little too wild for others and doesn't really realize it. But God is bringing together his house. And where his name is lifted up, he draws. He draws. He brings all unto him. Into the table. The Lord's table. Brings us together into communion with him and with each other. We're about to take communion. I'll just show you one more verse. There should be no schisms in you in the context of gifts of the Spirit, in the context of looking at brothers and sisters and saying, I don't really like what they're doing, that the members, but that the members should be this, have the same care for one another. He's encouraging us to continue to care for one another and he's encouraging us to get ready to be stretched in our capacities to expand for loving people that are different. We're going to see a lot of it. I love, Abby shared last last night, she shared a a vision that she had of um, a homeless person. And the homeless person was in the cleft of a rock. This is a person she actually saw, but the Lord brought that back in a vision because God has turned her heart onto the homeless. And he was in the cleft of a rock, and the Lord was showing showing Abby that he is safe in the cleft of that rock. Jesus is the rock. I love the way that many people in this house are reaching out to the homeless. Are we ready for them? Are we ready for the loud and boisterous? (laughs) Oh, I can be loud and boisterous. If you've been here for any length of time, you've seen me do it. It happens. Are we ready for those that have met Jesus but their dress doesn't quite show it yet? Are we ready for those that are ready to try and they're bold enough, maybe we weren't bold enough, And if we're holding them to the same standard that we're held to in our fear, we're not going to let them. They're bold enough to try and do what God is calling them to do. It doesn't mean they're not teachable. It doesn't mean they're not correctable. But they're just trying. And maybe they would be an example, a stirring of faith for this house and for many of us. Wow, I can do it. I can be a Christian for just three months or just a day and actually step out and pray for people and see them healed. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm breaking my bread already. Out of habit. You know there's nothing wrong if you don't want to take communion. I mean, there's, there's things wrong if you don't want to commune with the Father, but there's no, there's no guilt or shame from us or pressure on you to do it if you don't feel right. There is encouragement to do it. Come as you are to the table and understand that Jesus sees everything and he has a better plan than sin. He has a better plan than division. Holy Spirit, we invite you to look in us and examine us and see if there's anything that's not of you. Jesus, we know that you paid the highest price by giving your body and allowing it to be broken for us. We love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. And we love each other and we will love all those that you want to add to your family. Before we partake, I just want to declare over this house a grace of the Holy Spirit to see brothers and sisters for the treasures that they truly are. I want to declare over this place to see yourself accurately for the treasure you are. Jesus name, yes, Lord. We're all treasures to Him. Amen. We thank you for breaking your body, and we eat in remembrance of you. Thank you, Father. This cup, Jesus said, is the new covenant of his blood. It's a cup of blessing. We're no longer under the Old Testament law, the rituals and the obligations therein. He literally writes his love, his truth on our hearts. That's the new covenant. For this is the love of God that we keep all of his commandments not out of willpower, not out of effort, but because he's changed our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for changing our hearts. And we partake in remembrance of you. Amen. Praise God. I want to invite anybody who would like prayer to come forward. Last night we were seeing some things happen after this similar message. We were seeing some things happen, so just want to invite you to participate in that if you need prayer. I want to bless you and declare over you the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace, be gracious to you, and make his face shine upon you. In the name of Jesus. Happy birthday. (laughs) Yeah.